The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. Episode 54, all about field day, coming up on the podcast. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast, with your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. Thank you, Christy. It is Ham Radio 360, the podcast. I'm Kale, your host, K4CDN, and this time through, it's going to be all about amateur radio field day. Now, you may stop me right there and say, Kale, I've, I've been an amateur for 20 years. I don't need to hear anything else about field. Well, wait just a second. Sean Cutsco, Kilo X-Ray 9 X-Ray is going to come up in just a couple of minutes. He is our representative that uh, we're chatting with, the public relations guy over there at the Amateur Radio Relay League, and he's going to give us some inside hints that we may forget. So whether you're a new guy or a veteran in the field day, you don't want to miss a segment with Sean. Uh, in addition to that, we're going to have Jeremy and George come in. We've got some stuff to talk about. It's going to be really cool. Some field day insights, uh, things we like to do, things we're considering doing this year, things we're doing differently, so you don't want to miss any of that. But but first, of course, I've got to remind you, it's Main Trading Company who's bringing you this program every other week. MTCRadio.com, the number one place to buy your ICOM gear online. If you're looking at one of those IC7300s like everybody else has except you and I, Maybe you should check out mtcradio.com. Probably going to find the best prices on the net for your IC7300 right there with Richard and Christine Lenore down in Paris, Texas. Let them know you heard about them right here on the Hand Radio 360 podcast. Get your best deal for your ICOM gear, two-meter handhelds, all the way through flagship HF rigs. They've got them, mtcradio.com. Yeah, welcome in, Sean. His call is Kilo X-Ray 9 X-Ray. Sean Cutsko, he is the media and, is it press relations for the ARRL? Media and public relations. Public relations. Okay. All right. So how did you, how did you swing that gig, Sean? Uh, I came to ARRL in 2007. I was recruited to be the contest branch manager. My background is uh, in ham radio is primarily HF contesting and DXing. Mm. So they asked me to come on board in uh, October of 2007 as the contest branch manager, and I was there for five years. And then our former PR manager retired, and uh, I applied, and they gave me the job. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. We're, we're happy to have you on the show. Uh, Thank you. We've got field day coming up, which is probably one of the most exciting times because of your title of you for the year, but probably it could also be one of the most stressful times for you because this is the, I would guess, the number one primary uh, public relations campaign that the league does every year. Is that a, is that a pretty good assumption? That's a very good assumption. Uh, Field Day is the largest on-air amateur radio activity in the world. Uh, Last year, there were about 45,000 individual participants that took place in uh, in Field Day in one capacity or another. Uh, Field Day has been around since 1933, so the the ties between ARRL and ham radio and portable operating uh, has it, it has a very very long reach, and uh, for folks in the United States and Canada, Field Day is pretty much the biggest uh, outreach event that we have. Um, Region 2 has other events. They have uh, World Amateur Radio Day, IAR, uh, excuse me, IARU Region 2 and uh, Region 3 get more activity with World Amateur Radio Day on April 18th, but here in the States and in Canada, 
um, field day is pretty much the, the number one draw in terms of uh, amateur radio outreach. When I came into amateur radio, Sean, I thought that field day was a worldwide event. And, I, and I'm sure that there are stations from all over the world participating, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really uh, North America-centric. Is that, is that a pretty good, pretty good way to look at it? I would say that's a fair assessment. There are in, there are plenty of stations all around the world that uh, get on for field day weekend on uh, the fourth full weekend in June. Uh, but other regions have uh, field days at different times of the year that are more hospitable for that part of the world. Uh, but uh, I would say I would say it's a fair assessment that uh, that field day, uh, as sponsored by the ARRL, is primarily a North American event. I got you. Just like Dayton is the largest in the United States, the mm-hmm. field day is is our number one game. Uh, we've got folks that have been listeners since we, we've came on about two years ago. We've talked about field day every year since, but we've never really kind of cracked the nut with the league about what the official uh, view of field day is. Now, you've covered a couple of those points uh, in the intro here, but give, give us a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of deeper insight into field day regarding the league itself well field day is uh a field day is it covers a lot of territory uh and some people like to pursue field day as uh an emergency preparedness exercise uh some people like to pursue it as a a competitive event and try to get as high of a score as they possibly can Others uh, consider it a, a, a major PR push, like I talked about just a little bit ago. Uh, for other groups, it's simply a way to get together with uh, with members of their club and uh, and get out of uh, get out of town for the weekend and go set up in a park and enjoy a weekend of camaraderie with uh, with club members. There's there's really no one definition of field day that is superior to any other definition. The main purpose of field day is to Go out and get on the air from a field uh, or an, another portable location and have fun. That's really what the main drive of field day is about. If, if people want to take an emergency preparedness slant on it, they are welcome to do so. If they want to treat it as a competitive event, they're welcome to do that too. I personally am, uh, you know, I, I like doing a lot of backpack QRP work. So for me, going out uh, on a trail somewhere and throwing a wire in a tree with a small QRP rig, I enjoy field day that way. So um, there's no one way to enjoy field day. It covers a lot of ground and you can do a lot with it depending on how many people you have and what direction you want to go. And, and that's kind of a misconception. Sometimes it's it's taken as if I don't go participate with the local ARRL sanctioned club, then I really can't participate in field day. But you just said that's not the case. It's however you choose to enjoy it, you enjoy it. That's absolutely correct. I mean, we have it. There's an entire entry class uh, based on one or uh, two people that are not involved in a club. That's the B class, and that's where a lot of uh, the backpack QRPers like myself uh, uh, go. Uh, that's the entry. That's the entry category that they choose when they want to participate in field day. You can participate in field day with a giant club with 200 people, or you can uh, take radio uh, in your backpack and go out by yourself. There's there's no one way to do it. Fantastic. Now, uh, a lot of times when we think about field day, we do think about the big club experience. Uh, sometimes, like I just said, that, that one two-man gig kind of gets pushed off to the back. It, it can be as simple as you don't have to participate in the field. You can stay in your shack with the AC on and the sweet tea, enjoying amateur radio because the bands are full and you're making contacts, having fun. People do that as well. 
They sure do. There are two. Uh, there are two entry classes for that. The the D class or the Delta class is for home stations that are using their standard AC power. So you uh, you don't have to leave your home. You can use the uh, antennas that you already have up. You can uh, hang out in the air conditioning in the basement or in the living room. Whatever you want to do. Uh, if you want to stretch things a little bit, you can enter the E class, which is a home station using emergency power. So you can hook up a generator or a solar panel, and you can power your radio uh, off of that. And uh, there's a separate entry class for that as well. Wow. Now, now I've heard, let's see, I've heard the letters B, I've heard Delta, I think, and Echo. Uh, what about Alpha and Charlie? What What classes are those? Okay, Alpha is the, uh, that's the big, uh, that's the three or more people category. That's where most of the club activity goes, is okay. the A class. And uh, C is for stations that are mobile. So uh-huh. if, you're, uh, if you're driving uh, on a family vacation over field day weekend, and you're going to be on the road for eight or nine hours uh, on Saturday or Sunday, uh, there's a way for you to participate as well. Yep, go ahead. All right, Sean, so what if we're just newly licensed, and we have a lot of those folks listening to the program. They're newly licensed. All they have is, say, a base mobile radio in their car, VHF only. Can they have any fun with just their equipment there on field day? Well, uh, the, the short answer is yes. I mean, uh, you can always tune around and see if you can find uh, other stations to work on uh, FM Simplex. If, you're, uh, if you have the ability to go portable, since it is field day, uh, getting up on a hilltop somewhere and trying to work other stations on FM Simplex is, uh, is actually a lot of fun. Uh, if you have a dual band radio... Uh, the possibilities open up a little bit more. Uh, there are at least two FM satellites that are currently in orbit that technician licensees have access to. And uh, being able to uh, work stations via the FM satellites is a little tricky, especially on field day. But uh, it, it does give you uh, the ability to uh, get out on the air with just a VHF, UHF radio and a simple uh, dual band antenna for two meters and uh, 70 centimeters. So there are some options available for the, uh, for the ham who just has a VHF, UHF, uh, FM rig. There, you, you can still make QSOs on field day with just that equipment. Fantastic. One of the things that I've noticed uh, here with me in, in my short time of six, seven years in the hobby, maybe six years, uh, I have fun at home on field day when I'm here. But I have a lot of fun when I'm with the local club because we have multiple stations. There's the crowd. There's the food. So if you're newly licensed, I think Sean would agree, if you have a local club you can participate with, go give them a chance and, and try to spend some time, meet some folks if you're new. I would uh, completely agree with that. You know, you, you get a whole bunch of folks together in, under the uh, common umbrella of amateur radio. There's There's no way to avoid the fact that each of those people are going to be uh, involved with a different aspect of the hobby. And so for somebody who's new to go out to a club's field day effort, you're going to get exposed to a lot of different aspects of amateur radio that you may not have caught on to by yourself. Uh, that's you know one of, the, uh, one of the best things about uh, amateur radio and amateur radio clubs is constantly getting exposed to new things that uh, you may not have gravitated towards on your own. Uh, that was how I got interested in uh, six meter and two meter sideband operating was at a field day effort many years ago. And uh, um, it's turned out to be one of the uh, one of the major components of my ham radio fun now all these years <laughs> later. So you, you never know what uh, you never know what part of ham radio is going to bite you, you know, you. so. 
So the if you get involved with a club, you'll get exposed to a lot of different stuff, and that's always a good thing. Cool. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, I know there's just a load of rules when it comes to field day, and we can't go over all of those there, but are there some rules that every day or every year, rather, folks have to be reminded of, or are there rules that we need to be reminded of every year? Not, you know, not digging in deep and, and trying to determine every single aspect here, but what uh, what are some of the highlights or the maybe a maybe a ten thousand feet view of the rules of field day? Can we do one of those? Wow. Okay. Well, how, let's, how about three thousand foot? <laughs> three thousand feet. Okay, that's a little better. Uh, I would say the main thing is to uh, make sure that you understand uh, the entry categories. Uh, one of the entry co- categories that we haven't talked about is uh, the class F stations, which is mm-hmm. operating from an emergency operations center. Uh, so you've got six different uh, entry categories that you can choose from. Um, there's a common misconception that clubs that want to enter the A class but use commercial power uh, are not a, are not allowed to do that, and that is incorrect. There is a subcategory within the class A uh, uh, general category for using commercial power. So if you are a club operating portable at um, – Oh, say a uh, state park, for example, and uh, they have access to uh, an AC mains in the parking lot or in the, the camping area. If you want to do that, you can use AC power in a class A setup. Uh, you'll be listed separately with uh, only the other stations uh, that are using AC power as class A in the uh, field day results that get published in the uh, each December's issue of QST. But uh, uh, I think a, an analysis of the entry categories, uh, how you want to play, uh, and looking at the, at the various entry categories is, uh, is a major uh, component. Uh, there's, there's always going to be a way for you to play in field day. Uh, so just making sure that you understand what the entry categories are uh, and, and where your style of operation falls into those categories is, is probably the biggest question that we, that we get, uh, uh, asked here at, at headquarters. Sean, um, is it every year you have, uh, five clubs competing for the top spot, uh, or five operating groups competing? Is it, is it the same folks every year that are topping out or do you just have surprises sometimes where, where a club or a group comes out of nowhere? Well, I have to honestly tell you that I don't pay too much attention to the final results because um, field day is not a competitive event. Yes, there are points, uh, but we don't issue uh, we don't issue trophies or certificates. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's all kind of an honor system. I know that uh, there are several groups that take it very very seriously and uh, try to amass as many points and you know set up twenty six or twenty seven different transmitters simultaneously. <laughs> Um, if that's how they want to pursue field day, they are more than welcome to pursue field day that way. But, uh, I don't really pay attention to who takes first place in each category. That's not important to me. I got you. Uh, one of the primary drivers behind uh, field day is G O T A get on the air. And we hear that a lot. Uh, it's actually on the, uh, the logo for this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. every, every club group operating, uh, in a, in a public fashion, usually is encouraged to have a GOTA station. Uh, tell us a little bit about a GOTA station. Well, the GOTA station is the number one way to get people who are not licensed or who uh, don't have a whole lot of experience with amateur radio on the air. Uh, it, it puts them in the driver's seat for uh, a separate station, 
and they can it's it's a place where they can go to get experience uh, and get their feet wet a little bit with with amateur radio. Uh, it's very very important to uh, have somebody who is a GoTo coach that is a component of the GoTo station. That is a uh, that is a critical aspect of the success of anybody who sits down in the chair to operate a GoTo station. You need to have that Elmer there. You need to have the mentor who is there to. Uh, show new operators or inexperienced operators the ropes and and give them a helping hand in order to get on the air. You know, every single one of us had somebody, uh, not necessarily in field day, but in our ham radio career, as it were. We had somebody who showed us how uh, how things worked, how to approach certain uh, operating styles, or how to uh, put up an antenna or something like that. Uh, the the Elmering aspect that is a critical component of the GoTo station is one of the it, it, it is absolutely one of the major aspects of Field Day that should not be overlooked by any club uh, that's doing a a, a larger effort. Um, having having a place for new hams to go and get their feet wet and get a taste of that excitement that all the rest of us feel that's a major way to give back to the hobby and uh, I encourage every club to do it. Very well said. Very well said. Hey, uh, you and I are, are, are public uh, public um, emissaries, or, or we're into the the public sphere here. We're, we like communicating with people and and evangelizing, which they say a lot about uh, us amateur radio operators. But we like talking to people about the hobby. You and I both do. Uh, there's a lot of clubs who are made up uh, with people who enjoy operating amateur radio, but they may not really be on the the forward end of connecting with the public relations spectrum. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing I've noticed is that's the last person in the world you want standing at the door, welcoming people into your field day experience. Uh, How was, how was a good way for a club or how would you encourage a club to uh, look for the number one person in their group to represent on the front end to folks who maybe are not in the hobby or not in the club What's a good way to do to do that without stepping on someone's feet? Mm, that's a that's a really tough question. Um, uh, every club is going to have. Uh, uh, I, I feel that every club is going to have that one person who is just really really good at being outgoing, uh, being able to uh, express uh, 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 amateur radio in a non technical sense. Uh, one of the biggest ha- uh, uh, one of the biggest hangups that uh, I see with a lot of clubs is. Uh, and I've I've fallen victim to this too. Is uh, we get stuck in in communicating using our own jargon, <laughs> and uh, you know the, a person who's visiting a field day site is not going to know what a QSO is, right. you know, and they're not going to know the difference between two meters and forty meters, and they're not going to the the odds are they're not going to understand what sporadic e propagation is. Mm-hmm. So having the person in your club who is able to communicate. Uh, to the general public or any visitor, uh, uh, served agencies, elected officials, the media, whoever may stop by your field day site, if you want to engage at that level, you got to have somebody who can explain amateur radio in non-technical terms. And you need to be able to uh, communicate that with a sense of fun. And uh, personally, I like uh, I like um, communicating the sense of amazement because uh even after being licensed for 33 years there's there's still a rush that i get when i make a qso uh because i start thinking about you know the signals bouncing off the ionosphere or whatever other propagation modes i'm using or going on so to me the magic is still there how do you communicate that magic to 
uh, TV reporter or to your alderman or your sheriff? How do you communicate that? That's the trick. So finding somebody in your club who can communicate the joy and amazement of what amateur radio is capable of doing, uh, that, that is the key to success. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that I talk about in the public relations aspect of Field Day is making sure that uh, you have a greeter that is available, um, somebody who's going to stand uh, and and welcome visitors to your Field Day site. Uh, you know, um, somebody who's uh, friendly, outgoing. We just talked about all of that, uh, but somebody who's able to explain uh, to folks what's going on at each Field Day uh, uh, site where the operators are transmitting. Uh, and give you know give uh, give folks the nickel tour as to what's going on at your field day site and being able to explain it. Uh, having somebody uh, dedicated in that position, if your club has a, a public information officer, a PIO, they would be the natural case for that. If you if your club doesn't have a PIO, uh, then find somebody who is extremely uh, well spoken and outgoing, and make them the greeter so that they can explain amateur radio to your visitors. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Yeah. That that was something that I see just lacking, uh, uh, not everywhere, but there are, there are some clubs who. Uh, really go above and beyond when it comes to presenting themselves to the public. And there's others who just want to be stinky old men sitting in the basement and they're out doing field day and don't understand why the community doesn't want to come out and participate with them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that, that was the answer I was looking for. I just didn't want to have to say it again this year. I wanted someone on a professional level to say that. So thank you, Sean. <laughs> You're welcome. Sean, I've got a question. Um, and this is one that, that I've been thinking about personally. Uh, what are some of the things that that clubs or operating groups or, or whatever we call them uh, for field day, what are some of the, the big things that they're missing? Uh, they think they've got all the bases covered, but really they don't even see the fact they're over here missing this opportunity, missing this in air quotes there. Uh, do you have any ideas for anything like that? Wow. Uh, I would say the number one thing is what we just talked about, which is public relations and outreach. You know, there are uh, several hundred bonus points that are available to any uh, club or group that's doing a field day effort uh, by doing just some very basic outreach efforts. One of the new things that's, uh, that's around for 2016 is this is the first year that we have a 100-point bonus for engaging the public via social media. So if your club has a a Facebook page, a Twitter account, uh, and you are you have connected with uh, uh, elected officials or members of the media, constantly sending out uh, updates as to what your club is doing on uh, your field day effort. Maybe take some photos or a little bit of video of somebody uh, making a contact, uh, photo or video of the mayor stopping by, for example. All of that contributes to how you are perceived in your meeting uh social media engagement from field day sites and um there's a hundred point bonus for that so i would say uh that's that's the number one thing that uh, folks can do this year that uh, is new territory uh that they may be missing and uh, ties directly into uh, public relations uh, promote amateur radio to the outside world fantastic you know i had i had i heard on a local repeater uh, a question was raised why is it every time we do something, it has to be a public relations event? 
my response to that, which I held my tongue, was anytime you're representing your club and the hobby, you are doing a public relations event. Whether you're set up in a parking lot or you're at the local fire department for field day or at a library doing a uh, an education-type day, anytime you're in the public's view, you are doing a public event. Um, and, and that's just one of my... <laughs> It's easy well, for me. It's easy for you. And I understand it's not easy for everybody. And I'm not knocking you if you don't you know, like to participate that way. But, folks, when you're out there, you, you are representing your club, your hobby, and all that's, that's around you. That's absolutely correct. Every time you engage a member of the public and communicate with them about what amateur radio is, what amateur radio is capable of doing, the things that you can learn, the things that you can teach and experience with amateur radio, you are an ambassador for amateur radio. And uh, being able to communicate uh, effectively and articulately about what you are doing in the hobby uh, is a critical component of outreach. Why do we need outreach? Well, there are 750,000 licensed amateurs in the United States. It's an all-time high. There are about 3.1 million hams worldwide. That's great, but more is always better. Uh, what is ham radio going to look like in the next, say, 30 years? You know, there's a lot of discussion out there about uh, uh, needing to engage uh, more young people with amateur radio so that amateur radio uh, continues to be around in the next uh, 40, 50 years. So if you have the ability to do any kind of outreach and possibly bring one or two people into the hobby, then I would ask that you please consider doing that because the hobby as a whole will benefit from your efforts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sean, did we forget anything about field day? Cause, cause I can get off sometimes and go down these rabbit trails. Uh, did, did we, did we miss any big points on this from the, from the league's perspective? Uh, the only, I, I would say not from the league's perspective, you know, as long as you go out and you have fun and you, uh, try to recruit a couple of people and, and, and get them to sit in the chair and spin the dial on the radio and have them talk to a couple of people, then your field day is going to be a success. Um, from a personal standpoint, uh, I would say uh, if you have the ability to get out and try your hand at amateur radio satellite communications, uh, give that a spin, so to speak, because uh, that's, a, that's a whole lot of fun. And that's, that's the latest thing that's gotten my attention in the last uh, three or four years. Cool. Well, Sean, we, we appreciate you coming on and uh, repping, the, repping the league with us. You know, we need to have you back on and just do a whole show about the ARRL. Uh, that was on my mind two years ago when I got started and we got sidetracked, but we need to, we need to make that connection and, and to introduce our listeners to the, uh, to the league itself. You're, you're on the air as uh, Kilo X-Ray, 9 X-Ray. You do the national parks on the air. You just said you're chasing satellites. Uh, you enjoy uh, soda and whatnot. Uh, we mm -hmm. can find. What's your favorite band? If we want to find Sean Cusco, where do we go? Oh boy, uh, <laughs> that's a that's a very difficult question because it depends on how I'm playing with amateur, amateur radio at that particular day. Right now, I'm really really active with National Parks on the Air. Uh, so for me, uh, for National Parks on the Air, you're going to find me on twenty or forty meters. We're in the the we're, June has just started, so the summer sporadic e season is picking up. So that means I'll be spending some time on six meters now, uh, and then uh, as always, uh, working on the uh, amateur radio satellites, uh, the SO fifty FM satellite. You can find me there a lot. You can find me on the FO twenty nine uh, analog satellite doing sideband uh, on on the satellites there. 
Uh, and there are uh, a few uh, Chinese satellites that were launched uh, several months ago uh, that I'm working on getting on more, but uh, still need to tweak the antenna a little bit for that one. But that's where you can find me, uh, at least as of 2016. <laughs> I live in I live in an apartment, so okay. 99% of my operating is portable. Mm. So for me, uh, getting out and doing the national parks on the air or six meters or uh, you know operating from uh, rare grid squares, anything involving the outdoors and ham radio, that's where you'll find me. That's how we stay skinny, folks. That's the secret. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, can we find you on Twitter, Facebook, anything like that? Do you uh, do you do you run the uh, Twitter Twitter feed for the league? Sure do. Uh, you can follow ARRL's PR Twitter feed at uh, ARRL underscore PR. The main ARRL Twitter feed is at ARRL. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, Instagram is ARRLHQ. We'd be delighted to have you as a friend or a follower. Fantastic. Sean, thanks again for coming on, and we look forward to hopefully catching you on field day. Oh, you'll hear me. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Sean. 73. 73. Hi, Dan, KB6NU here. Whether you're studying for your tech license or looking to upgrade to general or extra, you should check out my no-nonsense amateur radio license study guides. Written in my easy-to-understand, no-nonsense style, they really are the easiest way to learn what you need to know to pass the test. And they are always up to date. The PDF version of the Technician Class Study Guide is free on my website at kb6nu.com podcast. And all my study guides are available in print, PDF, Kindle, and EPUB versions. Let me help you have more fun with ham radio. Go to kb6nu.com podcast and get started today. You know, I thought it was a stretch when uh, when I when I see Tim going out to all these different ham fests with Bridgecom Systems, and just a couple of weeks ago he's at CPAC on the other side of the country, and they're all over the place, man. If there's a ham fest, they're going to be there, and they've got with them their brand new BCM two twenty, the two hundred twenty megahertz mobile radio built for the amateur radio operator. This thing is tough. It's built like a tank. It's a gorgeous radio. Works fabulously. 30 watts output with a Mitsubishi power amplifier. It's, it's a great rig. If you're needing some 220 megahertz gear, let me say it again and again and again. Check out BridgecomSystems.com. BridgecomSystems.com. Call Tim or Ron. Let them know you heard about them on the Ham Radio 360 podcast. BridgecomSystems.com. We're here on hamradio360.com, the podcast. Just had Sean in here just a few minutes ago. Again, Sean, thank you so much for being a part of the show. His call is Kilo X-Ray 9 X-Ray. And you can find Sean all over the ARRL networking sites there. Uh, now we, we're going to bring in George KJ6VU and Jeremy KF7IJZ. And we're going to talk about uh, what we're doing this year for field day. Um I'll, I'll, I'll go last. I'll go last. But I know that Jeremy has an announcement that he needs to make about field day, uh, and he's going to throw it on us. Uh, I don't have any. So go ahead, Jeremy. Tell no, us. That's that's way too forced. Let me let me just work it in naturally. Okay, bring it in. Well, go ahead. Let's talk for. <laughs> okay, so Ooh, yeah, we were I'll talking see. about Barry White off the air just a few minutes ago. So maybe I should put some Barry. Uh, um, anyway, all right. So field day is coming up. All right, it's uh, this weekend. Or almost yeah. this weekend. It's the twenty oh, fifth wow. and twenty sixth of um, uh, yeah twenty fifth like and twenty sixth. Two weeks away. Two weeks away, but this is our last show before field day, so we're here 
about field day. I will be operating with the uh, the local club K four I I, and we'll be set up at the volunteer. Actually, it's staffed now, so it's a, it's a local county fire department just on the outskirts of the city limits. So it's very central to our area. I have mailed. Uh, letters to my elected representatives and I uh, put one in the mail today to the sheriff. So hoping to uh, have some representation there. Uh, we can talk about that in a little bit. Uh, I know George, the Baynet group, you guys really put a lot of focus on field day and I'm imagining that uh, you guys have a lot, a lot of big plans for this year too. Uh, we do actually field day is always a, a big event for us. Not as big as some of the local clubs. There's, there's clubs here that do uh 12 stations, 14 stations, we're nothing like that. We operate three alpha, so we have three HF stations and one VHF, UHF station. But it is a big deal. We do get a really good turnout, so we look forward to it every year. Cool, cool. And that's that's one of the things that kind of holds your club that's really not kind of a club together. Yeah, it's it's the mid-year event. We, we tend to have an event about once a quarter. So we have a kickoff meeting, the Baycon uh, meeting in January, and then June is is field day, and then in October we have a lot going on at Pacificon. So those are the three big anchor events uh, every year, plus a few things in between. Awesome. And Jeremy, you're living in a new area this year again, but I, I, I'm thinking you're going to be participating in field day, which you didn't get to do last year. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't really take the opportunity to do field day last year, and um, that's a little bit of a story. So last night. I attended the inaugural meeting of the Ohio Valley Experimenters Club, a new club that is being started by some uh, friends of mine that I've known online for a long time who have been friends and lifelong ham friends for quite some time. And uh, those guys got together last year for field day at one of the founding members' parents' backyard who own about three acres. And so last night we got together, the topic was planning for field day, and uh, the the fun part was I found out the field day site is going to be in Ben's parents' backyard again. But Ben's parents' backyard is literally a five-minute drive from my house, <laughs> which kind of all these guys grew up around where I live. So, um, yeah, so the Ohio Valley uh, Experimenters Club, KD8LBS, so KD8 pounds, um, hashtag pound sign. <laughs> We're going to be set up at uh, 4962 Beachwood Road, 45244 in uh, Milford, Ohio. Um, and the, I'm shameless plug because this is part of our public announcement. Hey, it works. And that, that's point. You just, you've earned points. I just earned points. So I'm, I'm, beating, I'm beating both of your clubs. Now, George, we are also going to be running three alpha. But, you know, I... I have I have I have a topic to talk about about the classifications of competitive stations or non-competitive stations during field day when we get a chance. So, how many guys are in this new group? Um, I think there's about ten people going to be on the inaugural the inaugural membership list. We there were uh, six of us the set were eight of us there, yeah, seven eight of us there. Some remote last night. You had remote at the Golden Corral. No, there was no Golden Corral. We we are strictly uh, rallying against that image. Okay. Um, Y'all bathing and stuff like that. Yeah, we're we're bathing. I mean, it's still a bunch of uh, tech nerds, but we, um, yeah, we met at a local restaurant called the Rusty Bucket. That's close. Yeah, that's not far away. That's Actually, not- the hilarious thing is, it is just down the street from the Golden Corral in Mason, <laughs> Ohio. 
Um, but no, so last night, you know, we were talking about what class we were going to run. And of course, you guys know, I tend to like to do solar field day. And I'm talking about all the equipment that I have and that I could probably, you know, power. I have enough uh, panels that I could run 300 watt HF stations. I need people to bring batteries, blah, blah, blah. And somebody said, well, what class would that be? And in my head, I said, well, that'd be three Bravo. But it is not three Bravo. There is absolutely no field day operating class for people who are on a run alternative energy 100 watt radios. But Alpha is not plugged into the mains. So wouldn't Alpha be that? It could be generator, it could be battery. It, it is. Have to be. It is. But so there, so both Bravo and Alpha Bravo are specifically apportioned aside for alternative energy, for non fossil fuel energy sources. Um, but they're limited at five watts. And this flabbergasts me because I have successfully run field days off solar and batteries for 100-watt radios and have used zero drops of gasoline. Well, same here. We, when we run field day 3 alpha, we've never used a generator. We've, we've only ever run off batteries and uh, usually some solar panels as well, but we all exclusively battery. Now, you get 100 bonus points for making five contacts on, you know, battery, solar, or hydropower, wind power, whatever. Um, I, 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 to me, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't, there, there's no class. I, like, I, the amount of effort that goes into running a strictly solar, you know, barefoot, 100-watt field day is significant. And I, I, I kind of wish there'd be some, rec- you know, recognition for that that separates all the other three alphas who are running off of generators. I wonder... Uh... We should have asked Sean that. If I'd have known, I would have asked. I'm sorry, but that's okay. We'll ask. So are him you next guys gonna? He'll be are here. you gonna run a go to station also? Uh, yes, because everybody and their brother is bringing their radios, and so we're gonna have plenty of radios around. Uh, but we're gonna also have a VHF UHF station, and then there is there was talk of of setting up a go to station, but. Um, I have no idea what will happen, right? I, I, I literally just gave out Ben's parents' address <laughs> on this show. So who, who knows who might show up? Well, we, so we what have kind some of, friends that may come up there. You know those guys. You never know. So what radios are you or antennas are you planning to bring? So the radio topic is quite vast. Um, for myself, I, I want to get my new 7300 out because I haven't really had a chance to play with it. But the one chance that I have had to sit down and use it in earnest, the radio only draws an amp on receive, which all of these modern small form factor radios are drawing two amps now, or at least that's what the published spec is. So that was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, that is incredible, by the way. With that display, that's pretty impressive. Yes. The, uh, I know we have a member who's bringing a Flex 3000 and an entire computer setup to run said Flex 3000. Uh, there's going to be a TS480, the high, the H, I think it's the HX version, which is the 200 watt version of the radio. There is going to be a bunch of old Kenwood stuff that I don't recognize the model numbers are. I know it wasn't a TS50 Kale, uh, but it was a, it was like a a 940 or something. I don't know. Okay, I, that's, I didn't. Yeah, that's, that's a nice HF rig. Uh, I, I mean, solid state, not two, but uh, yeah. generation or five older. There were talk of you know your usual 857s and your 706 Mark IIs and, and things like that. So pretty much everybody who has an HF rig is going to bring their equipment and we'll figure out what actually gets run when we get there. It's it, always good to have backup yeah. too, as I've, I've found. Redundant, um, redundancy. Yeah. 
Yep. And you guys do the same thing out there in, in Baynet, George. You guys have a, a lot of backup equipment and stuff ready to go. And, and I mean, you guys spend a lot of time uh, experimenting throughout the oh, week. Oh, we do, yeah. actually. Yeah, there's there's really a nice combination of, of standard stations for just regular contest uh, contacts. And then there's usually some other fun stuff going on. So for our core uh, stations, uh, Station 1 is uh, HF is a TS-2000 which will mostly be parked on 20 meters on a three-element uh, portable Yagi, a YP3, on a push-up mast. Uh, the second station is a IC7200, which is a pretty rugged uh, HF radio, kind of like a 706 on steroids with a more uh, beefy package. That thing will be on a vertical antenna and a tuner at the base, so it's basically an all-band HF station. So those will both be a sideband or CW and uh, Station 3 is HF Digital. It's an FT-1200. That will be on uh, a cobweb antenna. And a cobweb is an antenna that's basically a multi-band uh, dipole where the elements are made out of wire and they're folded into a square shape. And it's a very interesting antenna design. We should talk about it on an episode sometime. And then the fourth station is the VHF UHF station, and that's an 817 with a 2-meter amplifier uh, and then... Of course, in UHF, it'll be barefoot. So that's pretty much it for the standard stations. And then people do bring uh, additional stuff. So uh, I'm going to bring my KX2 and play around with that. Uh, we've got someone bringing a KX3. Sorry, Kale. Uh, we're going to do Kale. some. <laughs> yeah, K- we're going to do some comparisons. KX whatever for Kale. <laughs> KX star. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, you know wire antennas. We got all kinds of of stuff. Uh, there's always something odd that shows up. We we had uh, satellite stations. We've had APRS beaconing. Uh, we've had uh, um, microwave radios. Um, w- that was really interesting. So Brian W6BY, who's very active in the local 50 megahertz and up club, brought his uh, 10 and his 24 gigahertz uh, contest radios, and, and they do a lot of roving here in the in the West Coast. So he brought that, and we set it up and pointed the dish down at the valley and made a contact on 24 gigs. It blew my mind. It was great. Um, and we flipped between sideband and FM, and it sounded awesome. So that was really fun. I've never done that before. So there's usually something kind of odd. Um, uh, we may get uh, Wayne from Ellicraft to to come this year. He usually comes to our field day, which is fun because – He's an awesome CW operator, so we just let him rip on CW, and he racks up a ton of contacts like like he's napping. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> well, and also, it's a, it's a good thing because if you don't know how to use your radio, he can teach you. Let me fix that for you, man. We're, uh, this year, uh, I don't think the club knows it yet or not, but we're going to be bringing in some, I say we, some friends of mine, and I are working to continue to get APRS working here in the county as well as a packet BBS and we're hoping to have both of those there and operating uh, at field day because normally it's just uh, you've got the Omni set up at the CW station and then you've got the uh, the ICOM 7410 or whatever that one is. I don't know what it is. Uh, that's the single sideband station. And you may have a VHF rig on a beer can antenna sitting over on a table that no one's paying attention to. So we're hoping to bring some some – you can't call it new technology because this stuff's, you know, 30, 20, 30 years old, but the club that I'm a member of, we don't utilize it at all. So there's some of us who are wanting to begin to utilize some of these things and we're going to bring it in, hopefully set it up, show others how 
we've spent the last two years trying to get it to work. And uh, even when our elected officials come, we've got one guy who has confirmed, one gentleman confirmed to come. We can also highlight that technology there. So we're not breaking any new ground at all. Uh, sometimes I wonder if we're in reverse. And I don't mean that negatively. I just, you know, there's just a lot of tech passing us by as a club. So, oh, well, I'll have my DMR radio there. We we'll need to talk about that in a minute. Uh, but I'll have my can you D- hit a, I'll have my DMR. Can you hit a DMR? Can you hit a DMR repeater from the field day site? I can hit a DMR repeater from inside my house. Oh wow! It How about awesome. D Star? Can can you work the D Star repeater from uh, field day? Probably not. Probably not. And I've got hmm. something to put on a pie around here somewhere. We'll have to figure that out later. Um, but yeah, so I mean that's. We're we're kind of excited about packet radio and APRS around here. That's how backwards we are. But um, you know, there's there's none of that here. So we're looking. You know, D Star is probably never going to happen, and DMR is going to build itself out. Uh, so well, you you got a D Star repeater in the area, don't you? Uh, it's about a forty five minute drive north from here. Mm. So it's it's maybe on high power. Maybe with a directional, I'm not really sure. I haven't been able to get it from the shack uh, on my vertical at the house. So, and I'm a 30 minutes south of town. So, it's um. Anyway, I, I may take it up there if I can figure out how to get it programmed well enough to get my call in there and, and get it ready to go. So, um, that we're we're just kind of celebrating old school stuff and, and trying to make it work. So, you know, I, there's not not fancy rigs last year the pack antenna i took it up there on friday we set up uh, antennas on friday and everyone kind of like oh yeah hmm, yeah that's a portable antenna yeah whatever and at six o'clock sunday morning they were calling me screaming into my voicemail telling me how awesome the pack antenna had performed overnight uh, when the bands <laughs> went away for what they had put up they just they deployed the pack tenna and man, they were going crazy over. I don't know if you guys remember our, our post uh, show from last year. We had one of the guys from the club. Brett oh yeah. Yep, I, yep. Yep. Yeah, Brett came in. I interviewed him right there on the phone with the phone in the, in the Bay of the fire department. And he was, he couldn't get over it. He's like, this makes no sense. But I mean, you know, it's a good resonant dipoles, perfect elevation. It, and it just banged it out. Those guys were going crazy. And, and they they probably want to use it again this year. So. You know, <laughs> I mean, everybody's so everybody's so uh, excited about a shortened antenna because they're small and compact. Until you realize that they're just not very good performers. And it's funny how you know a piece of wire is going to kill it when when it's just a full size antenna. It makes all the difference. Yep. Yep. You know, and and to that point, that, that that's one of the things I didn't cover is antennas because. Um, you know, having lived in apartments and everything, pretty much everything I own is portable. So um, I know that there was like, I'm really interested. There was talk of building a wire 20 meter Yagi and I'm really excited, like suspended in the trees. Like I think they called it a floating Yagi, which I've never mm. heard of. You heard of that? No. Well, I've seen um, wire Yagis, but that, it's really a pain. I mean, there's a lot of rigging to, to set something like that up. The, well, we, Good luck with that. I'd love to find out how it works. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not involved in that. (laughs) But the uh, I got to I got I got to tell you about the best 20 meter antenna we ever had, though. What is it? So so we you know we normally have this three element Yagi on 20, and uh, a fellow Mike uh, KA6OID shows up to field day, and he's got two fiberglass uh, fishing poles, and a bunch of PVC, and a umbrella stand. 
And I said, Mike, what? That looks like an antenna somehow. What is that? He said, it's a 20 meter delta loop. So he made this base out of two inch PVC. The stuff was stuck together, not really even cemented in place, stuffed it on this umbrella stand and made a Y shaped mount, a 90 degree, um, two 90 degree, like, um, you know, pieces of two inch PVC, about a foot long each. Anyway, you take the, the fiberglass poles and you extend them full length, which wound up being about 20 feet or so. And he runs a wire up one pole across the top horizontally and down the other pole. And the feed point's at the bottom and it, 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 you need a, like a four to one um, ballon to, uh, to feed it properly or uh, to make it work. And uh, the thing was unbelievable. It was uh, easily as good as any of the other antennas, it was quieter than the verticals by a, a long shot because it's horizontally polarized. And I think he probably had a total of 50 bucks in it, and it, it, it killed. <laughs> was it, you know, it was directional? Wow. Could you turn it? Uh, yeah, you can turn it, and it's slightly directional, kind of like a dipole, a slight, you know, slightly yeah. directional broadside of the antenna. But for the most part, you could kind of leave it in one position, and it was good enough. But... Um, but being horizontally polarized, uh, it cut down all of the noise. And, you know, I'm sitting there. I got my fancy schmancy three-element Yagi, and it took three of us a half hour to put it up. And Mike, like, stuck up his, his uh, dipole or his dipole, his loop in, in like, ten minutes, and it, it just it crushed everything. And it, huh. it, So, you know, another vote for, you know, sometimes simplicity yeah. is, and, yeah. and full size is, like, the, the best thing you could do. So that actually sounds really awesome. My, I'm bringing, you know, I'm going to have the Pac-10. I'll have the Pac-10 Mini. I'll have the various other end feds that I bought over the years, hoping actually to get rid of a couple of them because I no longer need them. Um, but I, I plan to have my monstrosity antenna, my needlessly complicated compromise antenna, which um, you start with a little Tar Heel 2. You pound a four-foot ground rod into the ground. You mount the little tar heel to that and then install the um, – I have a plate that has like 48 screw terminals on it for ground radials. And like three or – it was like three field days ago, I actually sat and cut out eighth wave 40-meter elements of it, 48 of them. And then uh, on top of it, I put a uh, a 17-foot – like it, it's a – an MFJ like 1975 or 1977 or something, but it's a, it's a 17 foot um, extendable whip. And then uh, yeah. Yeah. I've got a little MFJ, um, you know, it's capable of doing up to 200 watts, and all it is is a, a tuned inductor with like 17 settings on it, and I use that for the feed point match. And I worked Hawaii on 100 watts on that thing at three o'clock in the morning on 40 meters the the field day I used it, which was incredible to me. Did you say on forty? Yes, on forty. Mm, that's great. So, yeah, so I, it's it's very much a compromise antenna, but as a ver- as a forty meter vertical, it was uh, it was pretty cool. Or you could just take your pack ten out of the box and sling it up, and you're done. <laughs> well, yeah, but I it, can. Be, it wouldn't be near as fun but, to make for. But as that that good would pictures. that would take ten minutes versus the like hour and a half it takes to get yeah. the radials all perfectly set, and, it, and it's not as cool looking. You drink, and where's you the challenge? Drink more in that. beer. You can drink exactly. more beer putting up the bigger antenna. Like my goal this year is to actually buy a bunch of different colored wires and turn the the ground radials into like a rainbow pattern. You know what? You need to get those uh, LED strips 
uh, and use those instead. So when you transmit, the colors in the LED oh, strips will modulate. You guys that are spending you really guys are spending too much time on Lady Ada's website. Uh, we're <laughs> we're going to go uh, and and Lady Ada, we love you, and we hope that you're listening to our program. By the way, we'd love to have you on. By the, you know, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on sometime. We're going to go. If you know her, tell her. Yeah, if tell you her. know if you're friends with her, let her know. We're going to come back in just a second. Talk about some operating tips. Went a little long on this segment, but we'll be back in just a sec. This is K4CDN with KJ6VU and KF7IJZ. I've got no news to share with you about the brand new D-Star Kenwood Handy Talkie with APRS that was introduced at uh, the Hamvention just a few weeks ago. But I can tell you, if you're needing some Kenwood gear, the place to buy it is mtcradio.com. They've got repacks. They've got factory new units. Uh, it's all there, and you can buy it at mtcradio.com. When I need Kenwood gear, which I usually do because I really like Kenwood gear, I'm buying it from mtcradio.com. Give them a call. It's mtcradio.com. Let them know that Kale from the Ham Radio 360 podcast sent you. We're back with George and Jeremy. This is the HamRadio360.com podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, man. It, it has been a wild ride since Dayton. Our our numbers are up, and they're they're up because you, the listener, sharing the program with your friends. Uh, of course, we met a lot of new listeners or potential listeners at Dayton, and still relishing in the in the great time that was. So. Thanks again, listeners, for getting me there and for giving us a great time at Dayton. Uh, I, I, just as an aside here, I was listening to Linux in the Ham Shack uh, just the other day as I was on the lawnmower cutting grass, and Russ was talking about catching up with all of us at uh, Hamvention and a potential show we've got coming up in a, maybe later this month, first of next, where we're going to be talking about Linux in the Ham Shack and ham radio 360 so it should be cool but that's uh, awesome yeah we, we can't put everything out there right now just get ready for that one because it's going to be a good one uh it's going to be kel asking kel questions about linux so if nothing else it'll probably be hilarious because kel is clueless when it comes to linux but we're not talking about linux we're talking about the field day coming up in just a matter of two weeks it's june the 25th and 26th of 2016 and uh you know i've been to a couple of field days and and I always have fun. I will stay the whole 24 hours. I go home and sleep with my wife and, you know, kids get up, feed them breakfast and go back the next day. But, uh, you guys at times have stayed 24 hours and, and operated. Uh, what are some good operating tips for field day coming up for us? George. Well, I guess operating tip. The, the one thing that I learned is it's easier to call other stations than to call CQ Field Day. I generally find if you sit there and, and wail CQ Field Day, you'll make contacts, but you know, it's easier to follow another station and, and wait, wait for a gap when there's no one calling them and then jump right in there, especially if you're running lower power. So that, that's pretty handy. And, and also, we all, always put two people on a station and when when we run field day, we usually have a lot of new hams, so we want to put somebody on the mic uh, or the key maybe, and and then bring someone else into it and have them log. So we'll set up a station with two headphones, so that both people could either listen to the speaker or on the headphones, and one person's logging while the other guy's operating. And what's nice about that is we'll start out with an experienced operator on the radio and a, a new ham uh, as the logger, and you make half a dozen contacts. And that way they get to see the the flow and how the contacts work and what to say. And then after the fifth or sixth contact, you hand them the mic and say, okay, now you're on. And then you bring over somebody else and have them log and you, you kind of cycle people through that. And it's a good way to get people 
into to operating. And the, the funny thing is, is a lot of the new people, they just don't know what to say. And, and just a little bit of encouragement and showing them what to do, and, and they really jump right in. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Very, very yeah. good. It, it's interesting that you talk about the, uh, what, what is often referred to as hunt and pounce, which is where you spin the dial and you wait for a QSO to end and try to catch in on the guy's next QRZ mm-hmm. um, versus the holding, a, you know, running a frequency, trying to set a pile up. And I, I personally prefer a hybrid approach. I will, uh, you know, I'll spin the dial to get started. I, I never start trying to call CQ at the beginning of field day. And I, I'm one of the, I'm the type of guy who generally, will try to operate all 24 hours. And unfortunately, since I still don't know CW, I'm, I'm voice, uh, pretty much voice only. So I will, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hunt and pounce. And then eventually there are these little natural lulls where you'll find parts of the spectrum that are available to you. And I'll absolutely sit on one and start trying to do, you know, CQ field day, CQ field day. This is call sign. Um, but even after a while, your voice starts to give out when you do that. Like you, 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 you get tired more quickly. And that's where radios that have built in recorders to be able to, you know, you can record calling CQ into the radio and then just press a button to have it call CQ when you're trying to run a, a frequency uh, comes in very handy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is be prepared for a MyCog. Uh, and I'm just calling it what it is, man. There will be somebody there that will not get up. And uh, you, you have to be very diplomatic about this. You know, we've had sign-up boards. We've tried different things throughout the years that I've been there to kind of control the MyCogs. And, you know, sometimes it just gets to the point where you've sat through waiting for 30 minutes past the time that you were scared to be on. And you just got to go tap the guy on the shoulder and be like, "Hey, man, I've been I've been here since three o'clock this morning. Can I please have a try? You know, let me play a few minutes." So, well, so I that, think that. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say that there's a really important thing that that the organizers of field they have to do, and that is they have to really make sure that that everybody is getting a fair shot at operating. And in our case, we we really want the new people to operate more than the experienced hams, and everybody gets that. So we really haven't had a problem. But somebody needs to be in charge and make sure that things are going smoothly. It's like any kind of event. You know, somebody has to really be concerned about is everybody having a good time and is are all the right things happening and there's no like extra transmitter that showed up on the same band and you know, so someone has to be coordinating things. And it doesn't have to be like a you know, the field day cop, but you know, you have to at least have somebody uh making sure things are happening the right way. Yeah, what were you gonna say there, Jeremy? Did we lose Jeremy? Must have taken a deep fade. Nope. I was muted because I was coughing. Sorry. <laughs> um, the, you know, I, I had a field day once where we actually had a, a fairly distinguished operator there, somebody who is well-known in the, the international ham radio community. And because of there were people who were sitting on radios and wouldn't yield, he just wanted to plug his key in and run some CW for 20 minutes. You know, and he he was never able to do that. And the sad thing was, I had my station set up completely far away from everybody else, and and you know, at the edge of that thousand meter is a thousand meter, thousand feet. I don't remember circle. You know, your entire field day setup must be within a radius of something any, like that. Yeah. So, 
But he didn't realize I had a station going out there because I, I would have loved to have just actually sit and watch him operate and, and you know, kind of see what his rhythm is. I, in experience, like watching experienced operators is very helpful. Um, our, our club is not, again, it's not a contest. And it, at the end of the day, the point of this exercise is proving that you can deploy a capability, get your antennas up. Prove that they're effective to work whatever conditions are present. And so, you know, you don't need 400 contacts to do that. You get more data points. You can see what propagation is like. That's interesting. Uh, but, you know, again, we have kind of a, a little bit of a lighter attitude towards it. And making contacts is not the primary goal of our field day. It's making sure that everybody feels engaged and has a good time. And that's really what, you know, Sean and I were talking about earlier. That's the whole purpose behind it is to continue to spread the love and the magic of ham radio but oh we have people from all sorts and all different walks so uh the the only other thing i would add is if you're planning to operate and you don't want to wear joe bob's sweaty earmuffs when he finishes <laughs> up take your own headphones with you and if yeah you, if that's you a have, great point if you have earbuds or headphones, either one. I'm a headphone guy. I've got some buds too, but take one of the uh, one eighth to one quarter adapters. I'd say get them at Radio Shack, but those don't exist anymore, pretty much. So you should have one of those just in case, depending on what type of uh, headphones you have. But think about that. I mean, the club probably has a pair. They're probably thirty or forty years old and probably smell kind of funky. But uh, just take it upon yourself to to do for yourself. And, uh, I mean, we, we, last year we talked about sunscreen and a chair and uh, we don't need to go down that road, but just a good reminder that, uh, if you put a spare ink pen in your pocket, cause we know we all have pocket protectors and, uh, I want to make sure you take your headphones if you have a pair that you prefer. So that, that's what I would share. That's, you that's know, I would advice. I would also throw in, uh, uh, get an extra pair of cheap headphones. You could buy a pair of acceptably good headphones for 10 bucks mm -hmm. and get a Y adapter that way you know if you're there's nothing more boring for somebody to show up at field day and here's five sweaty guys with headphones on staring at a box <laughs> and you wonder what what is going on here that's a total turnoff so people wear headphones to keep the noise down and so you can concentrate but you really need to have extras you might also think about having a little amplified speaker so maybe You've got headphones on because you want to uh, cut out the extraneous noise, but people walking by may want to listen to what's going on. So especially if you're in a place where there's going to be uh, the public walking by, make sure there's some interesting audio happening so people can hear it. Give them a little so idea. getting that Y adapter and the, maybe an extra pair of headphones and a little speaker would be a good, good extra thing to have in the kit. Very, very good stuff. Uh, I know some, some clubs and some field day events, they do educational building type things. Jeremy, what's your, what's your take on that? So it's interesting because you get points for having something like that. And um, in previous field days, I remember Ed W4EDF, the last field day that he and I were both at together. You know, he brought his little Aero dual band uh, Yagi and actually, you know, demonstrated picking up APRS traffic as the International Space Station went by. And that, that actually got a lot of like the actual public was kind of involved in that. Like they thought that was cool. It's like, wow, you're, you're getting radio from space, which is kind of cool <laughs> this year. Um, th this came out of the fact that there is a member of the club who's not yet a ham and we are, uh, we are working very hard to give him black radio disease and he just wanted to help out. 
And he's like, I have all of this RG6 coax. You know, <laughs> is it useful? And of course, you know, it's not 50 ohm coax, but it's close enough and it's cheap and he's got hundreds of feet of it. So we're like, yeah, bring it out. And I had made the comment that I'm because re- I'm really terrible about crimping coax. I, I am. I don't know why. I just I don't have the knack for it. And so we're going to like have people crimp and practice on putting connectors on coax. Hey, by the way, RG6 is useful stuff. I think that's 72 or 75. 75, yeah. And I mean, so, it's just, just for people, in case you don't know, RG6 is the, the, the line that if you had like direct TV installed in your house, that's what they're going to use RG6. Actually, most cable is probably RG6 at this point. You could use RG6 to make a impedance matching transformer. So, um, if you're doing wire antennas and you, you, you want to do some matching, you can actually make uh, two lengths of coax. And you, Anyway, it's, it's not as useless as one might think. Yeah, and it works great for scanners too. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah works great for scanners. Um, finding a field day site. If you're listening to this program and we've gotten you excited about attending a field day, Sean touched on it real, real quickly earlier. But uh, it, there's a very good resource. It's, it's actually almost too simple to use, and that's the ARRL uh, Field Day Locator. And you can find it on their website at ARRL.org, and I think it's forward slash Field Day. Is that right? Yeah, you could just go to Google and type ARRL Field Day Locator, and it'll take you right to the page. And it's a, it, it gives you a map, and there's little pins on the map where all the field day sites are, and you can pan and zoom and click on it and when you click a little balloon pops open and it gives you the information of the location the organization the contact information the website or whatever contact info they want to that club wants to put there so it's really easy really really easy to find a site to go to fantastic i'm i'm looking at that now and there's a lot of pins uh, all over the US which means the uh, 45,000 amateurs that will be participating. And I want to I touch that real quick. Uh, Sean said there's over 700,000 amateurs operating or licensed in the U.S. 45,000 yeah. of them participate in field day. What are the others, what, 670,000 doing? They're not participating. Makes uh, they're probably in the air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, complaining they're, about all the people on the bands for field day. Yeah, they're on, they're at the yeah, Golden Corral. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> I, that would you know that just kind of struck me because I know that uh, you know I've I've personally watched the hobby grow as uh, as I've been a member of the last what five or six years of the hobby now. So you know you just kind of think, well, wow, there's seven hundred thousand people. Everybody loves field day, right? Uh, maybe not. Uh, but we want to encourage you guys and gals that are listening to. If you don't have a, a group to operate with, find your local club. If you've never connected with your local club, this is a great time to do that. Uh, they operate for 24 hours, so if you've got a couple of clubs around you, you can kind of maybe go visit all of them and see which one you fit the best with. Because you know, there's we all have different personalities, and and some folks uh, get along with other people better than than you know than not. You, you know, actually. This is kind of a, a pretty sharp segue talking about different personalities and people and my comment about people being upset about you're on the bands on field day. Don't feed the trolls because there will be people who are on the air just to disrupt you. Um, there was one year I was operating 15 meters as the band was starting to close and I'm, you know, 
having to repeat my call sign several times or try to speak, you know, more clearly or louder in the microphone. And there was somebody else who never identified who was on the side coaching me being like, you can contact harder than that. Uh, <laughs> just when that stuff happens or people try to, you know, cause interference, just, uh, don't, turn, don't engage them. Turn the, turn, big the, turn the big knob, turn the big knob. All right. Um, guys, thank you so much real quick before we go. Um, I know that la- the last show we had was very popular. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun to listen to again once I finished with production. And uh, thanks, Jeremy, for the for the notes that you provided for us and, and the excitement with the DMR thing. I don't know how many radios that Richard sold down at MTC, but I know a lot of you bought them, which is really cool. Uh, but I, I've got to announce here to the audience that I actually have made some DMR contacts today. For the very first time since owning a radio since last November, December, I finally have made DMR contacts. And um, I heard uh, someone up in North Carolina, we connected on the network, and he said, hey, wait a minute, I recognize your call. Don't you have a podcast? Well, that was pretty funny. But uh, I've talked to to people all over, and, and this morning when I was fixing breakfast for the kids, I heard a gentleman from somewhere talking to another guy in the UK, which was really cool. So it's working, and working from inside of my house, which is pretty amazing as well. So I had to throw that out there that uh, that I've actually got it working now, and got a lot of, a lot of left to learn, but it is operable, which is pretty cool. I just wanted to we, say that we. We should see if we can reach each other in North America after this. Yeah, yeah, we should try that. Okay. George, thank you so much for coming in and hanging out with us. Uh, KJ6VU is his call. He is with the Baynet Group. George, where can we find the Baynet Group online again if anyone out in that area is looking for something to do for field day? Well, you can go to the locator that we were talking about. You can find our little pin in the map or just go to the website, www.bay.com hyphen net dot org so bay-net.org and we have a prominent um, headline on the website click on that for the field day page it goes right to the page with all the details how to find the location what to do to prepare how to get a hold of us and it's open to everybody so if anybody in the bay area wants to drop by get some airtime, check out a bunch of antennas and radios and uh, talk radio for the weekend we'd love to have you fantastic jeremy you guys are going to be in your buddy's mom and dad's yard which is pretty cool we won't we won't throw out their address again but <laughs> I, I wish you guys luck i know it's gonna be a lot of fun uh i'm assuming there'll be a lot of synergy there with you guys just kind of stoked to get together one and operate two and to, to kind of start over uh with a new club so that's really exciting congratulations it is. good luck and and we're gonna have a 12 pound pork shoulder on friday or on saturday night <laughs> that we're gonna smoke all day what would it be without food? That's a that, that's a whole other topic put, that we could cover for field day. Put putting the pork and ham. Yeah, we should actually publish a field day like field recipe book. We could do that on Amazon and make some money. Yes, we could. That's better cent. than a ham radio calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the boys of ham radio. Oh, let's let's go to the next. Oh, we're finished. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank y'all so much. Uh, look forward to hopefully catching up with you on the air, George. What's the what's the Baynets Club call again? So if if someone hears you, they'll know it's you. Kilo Six Sierra Radio Alpha K Six SRA. Okay. And Jeremy, what are you guys going under again? Kilo Delta Eight 
Lima Bravo Sierra. All right, and we'll be Kilo 4 India India in the upstate of South Carolina. So good luck to you all. We uh, hope to hear from you. Uh, send us pictures, tweet us, let us know where you're at on the bands, and if we're near radio, we'll do our best to try to make a connection with you. <laughs> Big thanks again to George and Jeremy for coming and hanging out with us as we discuss our plans for Field Day 2016. And I got to tell you guys, really excited to have, have finally gotten Sean on. A uh, lot of lot of good stuff that we've got left to talk about. So look forward to us in the fall getting together. And uh, we're going to talk about the ARRL. We're going to talk about the league, its membership, its strength, uh, its weaknesses. We're going to be chatting about it as uh, things wind down. He's real busy right now. National Parks on the Air. He said it. Go find him. Uh, he's on the Facebook National Parks on the Air page where he's uh, posting his activation. So if you're on Facebook, find the ARRL National Parks on the Air site and look up Sean there. Again, thank you, Sean, for coming on, man. You can check him out on the ARRL website. Follow him on Twitter as well. We'll have all the links for you there. And we appreciate you tuning in and, and being a part of this show. It, it is field day. I mean, it's virtually here. Okay, so... Uh, get your stuff packed up. Don't forget your sunscreen. Don't forget your ink pens and pencils, whatever you're locking with, your computers. Charge your batteries. Get ready to go, guys. Field Day 2016 is going to be a blast. I'm really hoping that the bands are going to cooperate with us. So we'll have to see how that goes. But until then, and we'll do it. And, and maybe even have some uh, Periscope Field Day updates uh, through the Twitter feed, Ham Radio 360. Uh, you can find the links there if you're interested in following us on Twitter and Periscope. Uh, please tell your friends about the show. We'd love to continue to get new listeners. Uh, they're pouring in every week. We're getting new friends on Facebook, uh, new members of the group, new Twitter followers, and all that's due to you sharing the podcast. We appreciate you. We, we just genuinely can't thank you enough for participating in this hobby with us. So we're going to go now. We'll be back in about two weeks. But until then, y'all, have a great one. Enjoy your field day. Stay safe. 73. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Ham Radio 360, brought to you by mtcradio.com. For more information about the program, visit hamradio360.com. Till next time, 73s, y'all. Okay, so uh, before you go, just hang on just a second, all right? I want to uh, share something with you here. I was in the shack. The show's been post-produced. It's in a can, ready to go. Uh, And I heard something on a podcast that I wanted to come in and play this. This would have been really cool to play during the show that that you just heard, but I didn't hear it until after the show was post-produced, and I'm just too lazy to go plug it in. So I'm going to throw it here at the end. So if you stick with us to the end, sometimes you get special surprises like this. Now, what am I talking about? Uh, no agenda podcast. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one at all, but it's a great one. No agenda podcast. Uh, the host is John DeVork along with Adam Curry. Now, Adam Curry just happens to be an amateur radio operator as well as a listener to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. And uh, Adam, I'm, I hope you're not offended that we're throwing you in here at the end. But again, we'd love to have you on the show sometime. We'll, we'll feature you all the way through. Anyway, I'm not going to throw his call out. Uh, he's a famous guy. He's one of the original VJs from MTV, which was really cool because MTV used to play music videos. And you know, we, we want to go down that road. But anyway, you're wondering why in the world am I playing and talking about this? Well, you may not know, number one, that Adam, Adam Curry is a ham. Adam Curry also kind of 
pretty much founded podcasting the way that we enjoy it today. So here's a clip from show number 831 of the No Agenda podcast. Oh, okay. You get plenty of time. Yeah. I can't go because the the weekend, June 27th, that weekend, no, no, the 24th. 24th? Yeah. The weekend of the 24th. I'll I'll, I'll be doing the show, but it's field day weekend, so I have to go into the woods. What? Field day. Field day. You don't know about field day? I've never heard of field day. Field day is when all ham radio operators go out into the field. Yeah, you did this last year. With low power, and you have to make as many contacts as you will. It's the uh, SHTF exercise. Yeah, so you can save the world. Yes, right? Anyway. So this event is in Chicago on the 20th. So, yeah, Adam Curry will be on the air in field day. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen Adam and I go back a couple of times. Uh, he, We kind of started that uh, conversation back at Dayton KX2 Talk. He now has his KX2 in hand. He's going to be leaving uh, the Austin city limits, I guess, to uh, go out into the, the great wilds of Texas to operate on field day. So be on the lookout uh, for Adam Curry, and maybe we'll have him here on the show. If he's listening again, he says he does. We appreciate you listening, Adam, as well as you sticking here with us to the end. I, I really hope you guys, all of you, including Adam Curry, have a lot of fun at field day this year. And let us know how much fun you're having. Guys, we've got some really cool stuff on the way. And, and I just, gosh, I want to tell you so bad I can't, but it's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. And it's all going to be coming up really soon. 73, y'all. God bless.